from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is the best beer show on the internet, according, according to, to our, our mothers. mothers. So, Miles, what have you been doing beer-related this past uh, this past week? Uh, well, I was part of this group that brewed yet another Lightspeed clone. Except, you know... That sounds really cool. I wish I... Oh, wait. You were. <laughs> you mean the two of us doing beer stuff together? That's unheard of. I don't I, like it. Never again. Yeah, you've said that before. <laughs> <laughs> so, we made the Lightspeed clone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was similar to, in recipe, to the one you made. Yeah, uh, I have the recipe if you want me to. Do you have... No, go for it. it. Okay, no, uh, hang uh, on. Well, uh, give me I'll one. Continue. So, yeah, continue. Uh, one of the biggest differences, well, I, I, I mean, I guess the two biggest differences would be the proportion of base malt to Golden Promise, or the Pale Two Row to Golden Promise, and actually skipping or sticking to the hop selection. Mm-hmm. And... Well, and, well, and we added some acidulated malt and stuff like that. That, too, yeah. Eric uh, invited... A guy from Surly over. Yes. And uh, as a, a guy who's in professional brewing asked him, you know, would you give me a quick two cents about what you think about this? And he said, uh, acid malt and you're pretty good. Yeah, uh, so the recipe is on Brewtoad. It's uh, free Dem Wookiees Lightspeed Clone V2 uh, if you want to look it up. Uh, it looks like we did 11 pounds Golden Promise, 11 pounds Two Row. Sounds about right. Uh, 0.75 pounds Carapils, and 6 ounces of acidulated malt. We had some crystal in there, and we have all landed on the new uh, Fuck Crystal bandwagon, to put it, to put it mildly. <laughs> I have not joined it, but I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. At least, all right, in... In pale ales, yeah, and and I and in most IPAs, I'm 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 gonna pull away from it just because I I'm I'm agreeing. Uh, it adds that sweetness that I'm not terribly fond of anymore. Well, it it just combats or competes with uh, bitterness. And yeah, that's and and that hop flavor and it just it pulls it out and it's very counterintuitive. Though I mean, it does help support higher IBUs. I think if you if you're going for IBU bombs, but then then you're not tasting those IBUs, so you're just putting them in the beer to be like, yeah, this beer has 150 I- IBUs. Yeah, without much to show for it. Yes. No, and conceptually, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you talk to Eric, he says, none, at most 3%. Yeah. About crystal malts in an IPA. Uh, he's also been hating on 30-minute hop editions. Yeah, and I, I get I get it, and I'm going to try to uh, back off on those and see if I notice any difference. Sure. Um, though there was one thing that uh, there there was a bit of controversy at the brew uh, on on Sunday. And what was that? Mash hopping. Yes. And it turned out that I was pretty much right. Yes. Because that's me, always right. No. <laughs> no, so uh Eric was a big proponent of mash hopping. He did a, he did an ounce of 
I, th- I want to say Millennium. Probably. Millennium in the in the mash. For those of you who don't know, mash hopping is basically putting hops in your mash. Um, some people say that it adds a certain flavor and a few IBUs. But I, th- I think some of the research I've done uh, said that it gives a more approachable quality to some of the hop flavors in a beer, which is a very non-concrete thing to yes. say. Well, there's there's very there's very very little uh research. actual research on it. I mean, yeah. there's there's been some homebrew experiments and stuff like that and I've I've heard a bunch of different people talk about it. Uh but so here's here's my thing on on why I don't think mash hopping is a thing that needs to happen. Sure. It's it's kind of like first wort hopping for me. Also a thing that does not need to happen. Uh so basically any any ben- like any of the oils and stuff that you're gonna get like flavor oils, yep. they're gonna be boiled off immediately. Like yeah, it's all gonna end up. Going it's through it's the boil it's, anyways. it's yeah, it's it's all gonna be gone. Like just because if you're gonna you're gonna be boiling it for longer than sixty minutes because that's just how things work, and all those oils are getting boiled off. Plus, none of your hot matter is in the is is going to be in in the boil itself and so I don't know how well the extraction is at 160 degrees. Anyways. Yeah. So I you're I don't I don't know if you're going to be isomerizing a whole lot of those alpha acids anyway. I, and so the the IBUs that you're going to gain are completely negligible. Why don't you just add those at the 60 minute because you're not getting I I think a lot of what that some of these things come from is just an American's need to do something new and different with their obsessive love for hops. Yes. You know, and when it comes to hop additions, you're talking primarily in the boil and dry hop. You know, and then they've come up with hop rocket, hop torpedo, yeah, hop but back, the, uh, like hop backs, hop backs, hop uh hop torte- torpedoes, that stuff. They they Add something to the beer. No, I'm I'm not arguing that. I'm yeah. just saying like that. They're like, okay, now what can we do? And now you're neither now, now they're either putting into the mash or the mash. doing first wort Let's hopping, do which which wort. do do this. They do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, they they import the exact same amount of stuff. Um, we were talking with Timmy from Surly. He yep. said that uh, the only reason you would do it uh, on the commercial level is some of those oils can help prevent boilovers, maybe. Yeah, there there wasn't he wasn't even concrete on that, but he's like, yeah, any IBUs and you're gonna get is gonna be negligible and you're gonna get no flavor. Plus, uh, here's here's the another reason why I'm very against it is uh, that you can if you if you mash hop that mat those spent grains can't be used for any like animal feed or anything like that because yeah. hops are poisonous to most animals. They they will mess them up pretty hard. Yeah, so you you just you can't. So why even worry about it? I don't think that there is there isn't uh, is after you've done it there is a change to the beer but it's never enough to say that it was worth doing. I don't first think it's place. a noticeable change. Well, I don't yeah, I, I don't no, think I mean, I'm saying there's literally a change because well th- now there's hops in the mash instead yeah. of not being. I'm just saying that it's not enough of a difference for anyone to care and telling someone that wouldn't make them taste any any different. Well, and so uh, we we were talking about doing a doing a side by side brew, and I don't know if if uh, Eric still wants to do this or not, but he was going to brew a beer with his with his uh, mash up, and I was not. 
because, <laughs> and then we were going to taste them side by side and find out that there was absolutely no difference. And <laughs> sure, no, it's just it, it. It's one of those things that's that's very controversial. It, and it, I, it comes up every few months. Like I'll, I'll see, I'll see it on forums and stuff. Uh, there'll be somebody who. Uh, starts talking about mash hopping, and it really is a very divisive issue. People are either for mash hopping or against it. There's really nobody in between. It, well, I think the you know part of the problem is is that there's not enough research, a- actual research to back up anyone's claim one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, taste from person to person is purely subjective. Yeah. Well, and you have you have a bias. Yeah, you'll have a bias. So. Person A makes his beer and he mash hops. Well, he says it tastes different than the last time he didn't do it, and therefore it was a thing worth doing. Therefore, it's good and it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's true. Like mash mash hopping does stuff. You know. But the next guy is like, I couldn't taste it different. This tastes exactly like the last stuff you. Yeah. Made. So doesn't get you very far. No, it it, it really doesn't. I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest fan of things you just don't like stepping out of your comfort zone no it's not even that this big i don't mind stepping out of my comfort zone it's just and it's it's not a comfort thing it's i know what works for me and like in the in the process wise it's it's not really a comfort thing uh and there's there's no noticeable difference so why like i mean especially if you're using like millennium we paid 260 something an ounce and we put an ounce in the mash that gave us negligible ibus and no flavor impartation like that's 2 bucks down the drain eh, fair enough like fair it's enough. it's it's something like that on on a lighter side, uh, we did very, very well with our extraction. We overshot by, by 10 points. We, we, we or 12 sh- points. 12 points. We were shooting for 10 gallons. We got 12. Yeah. Well, part of that, uh, we had a lot of boil off, and so that con- I think that concentrated the wort more. Well, sure, but, I mean, I guess the point is, is if the sugar wasn't there to begin with, it didn't. It wouldn't matter no, how much yeah, it boiled yeah, yeah. down. So I, we just did a particularly good job, and... I've been out of the game for a while on large batch scale, and it was nice to get back into it and just rock it. Yeah, no, we ended up with uh, with twelve gallons. I'm a little worried. Uh, we so we picked up uh, two new, just brand new uh, wide mouth bubblers. Bubblers, uh, which these are. Uh, we got the plastic ones because glass is scary. Uh, <laughs> and that and, one, and that one, coming, I will say. And they were coming here. Yes, and they and they were coming here. Uh, I, that one, I will say that I there is a comfort thing there for me because I've I've seen too many pictures of just death and destruction. And I don't have health insurance, so uh, yeah, <laughs> don't say that too loud. Uh, no, and we've we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, but and it's like these are ten pounds lighter. That too. No, it's got to be more than it's, that. Well, it's it's definitely more than that, but oh, yeah, man. minimum ten pounds lighter. Yeah, I only carried them when they were full of beer. So <laughs> yeah, uh, so you know we got those. I got them in the uh, the fermentation chamber. I'm having an issue with the fermentation chamber. Oh well, son of a gun. Uh, so I need it to be at 18 degrees Celsius, which is 65 degrees, which is what we want to ferment at. Sure. It's at 16 and a half degrees. <laughs> it's too cold, <laughs> and it's not even on. <laughs> How'd you manage that? I don't know. It's too cold down here right now. I I, I blame the snow and floor, stuff yeah. like that. Well, it's, it's all off the floor and it's all insulated in there. I, I knew that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so the cement floor doesn't have anything to do with it. I think it's just the ambient down here is just a little too chilly. Sure. Uh, but once it warms up outside, like next week is supposed to get warmer. So then, then it should do that natural rise. Plus, I wanted to start really uh, colder anyway. So I'm not super worried about it. As long as I can, uh, like, I want to do that slow rise up to about uh, 68, 70, somewhere in there. So I'm, I'm going to, so I, we're, we're doing good. And that should help uh, prevent a big explosion of yeast in there. Because sure. those, I mean, those seven and a half gallon fermenters are filled with six, six, gallons, six of gallons of beer, which is a lot. And we don't have blow-off tubes on them. No, we do not. So Because they're not fitted for blow-off. They could I, be. I suppose. You could I mean you I just didn't have tubing for it. Yeah. So no, I am not o- overly worried about it. It's like I'm not a, well 1056 can be a little uh, aggressive and I have no idea what Vermont is going to do. I suppose. Like I've never I've never used that yeast. So I don't know if I have you uh, Eric's almost always been the one to to get the yeast. So I know mm-hmm. little what we've used except to okay. say we've probably used a a large variety. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe I should have gone with American Ale too, but I'm. I really like the clean profile of 1056. I really do, especially when you're doing a pale ale where you really want to taste the the hop. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Do you, do you think it was a good or the right choice for your Lightspeed clone? Yeah, both of them tasted good, and I, I talked about how I don't remember which one was which. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but they, but they I mean they both take they were both very similar one was just slightly fruitier and sure. they they were both good and the the difference was almost not noticeable unless you were looking for it so yeah so I have a quiz today all right That's a thing are you are you interested in doing that at all I guess we're 15 minutes in we might as well do a quiz well I mean do you, unless do you want to keep we can keep segueing I don't I, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this beer. I think we I think we talked this beer to death, we, or at least I did. Well, I was just excited that it went well. No, I, it went well, and we and we tried a bunch of really good beers too. Oh, and I that was about getting my crazy equipment tour, and I got me some Pliny. You did get some Pliny. Oh man! So if you ever want to see something really entertaining, give me a bottle of Pliny, and you'll just see the biggest shit-eating grin all day long. Yeah, he turns into like. A sixteen-year-old schoolgirl. It's it's great. I love that beer so much. You can't know. you can't say anything bad about it. The, the the one bad thing I would say about it that you can't uh, that get I it? experienced it or experienced yesterday. Eric cracked it open as we were getting ready to leave. I was completely fine with that. I know. Well, no, he he asked me. He's like, "Well, well, too bad you can't stay a little bit longer. I'd, otherwise, we'd crack this uh, bottle of Pliny." I'm like, "Well, there's always time for Pliny." <laughs> <laughs> Not, I said I, w- I would have been twenty minutes late yeah. for for play. I, I otherwise would have uh, would have liked to have sat and enjoyed. Yeah. It, well, enjoyed so my it problem later. is I can't stop drinking it. So like I'll, I'll get the pour and I'll take a sip, take another sip, another sip. Like I I can't stop. <laughs> there there are a few things that do that to me, but that beer is darn close. Oh, it's it's so good. All right. Uh, so I was I was looking to continue on. You know, uh, grains in general, okay. and one of the kind of ideas or concepts I just stumbled across: uh, chocolate in beer. All which right. For which, for the general listener of ours, would be like, well, obviously, yeah, chocolate rocks in beer, uh, and I'm not talking about like actual chocolate. I'm talking about chocolate malts uh, in general. 
And this is perfect because I've been uh, thinking about a new recipe uh, that involves chocolate malt. So I'm excited to uh, learn a little bit more. Fair enough. Okay. And so some of the first questions are going to be slightly misleading for how we end up talking about the subject because I was learning things I didn't know throughout writing this quiz. And that's the best way to do it. It I mean, as long as everybody's learned something. Yeah. Uh, So question one. How many different ways are there to add chocolate flavors in beer other than just adding chocolate? Just adding chocolate? Yeah, so um, in other words, what kind of cho- or what kind of malts can add the chocolate flavor? Oh, uh, well, obviously your chocolate malts. Yeah. Um, really, a lot of your darker roasted malts um, can impart uh, a chocolate flavor. Yeah, and that's a very broad statement. Y- yes. Um, so chocolate malts and... Uh, their variants, pale chocolate, dark chocolate, mm-hmm. organic chocolate, and then the varying chocolates from different maltsters. Uh, they're all going to add some level of chocolate favor. Uh, then there's also Carafa 1, 2, and 3, dehusked and not dehusked. And then Black Patent. Okay. And most of the rest of the roasted malts really don't add any noticeable chocolate favor. Okay. Even things like chocolate rye and chocolate wheat. Okay. Yeah, and so, which is a weird thing, and I'm, I'm going to kind of get into why that is. All right. Uh, so, uh, what do all of these have in common, other than that they add chocolate flavors? Uh, they're all specialty grains? They're all highly roasted, Yes, is kind of what I was going Oh, okay. Or, like, exceptionally highly roasted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when we were talking about caramel crystals, you know, we're talking anywhere from 10 to a light roast, yeah. Now, when I'm talking about some of these, what numbers? These are our dark roast coffees. These are shooting up into the 400s. Yes. For us. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things to know, first and foremost, a little goes a long way. Yes. Uh, fun, fun thing that I learned uh, a while back is when you're using some of these, if you don't, like, if you just want the color and just a little bit of the flavor, you don't want it overwhelming, what you can do is... Uh, put it into like a hop sack and put it on the top of your mash and pull it out after 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Or you can just do and a you, steep. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could do that too. But I mean, if you're all grainy, you're doing a mash yeah. anyway, you might as well just do this. And Yep. Uh, it, it's actually very similar because it doesn't have enough time for anything to try and pull yeah. any tannic qualities, which yep. are so prevalent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so tell me about chocolate malts. Uh, what makes them different from the other ones, like the the Carafa and the Black Patent and Special B and all of those? I have no idea. No idea. All right. Uh, chocolate malts are roasted around 420 to 450 degrees for about two and a half hours. Uh, the color range is anywhere from 375 to 450 degrees La Vivant, uh, and their flavors include mild roast in small amounts to really uh, strong, bittersweet, chocolatey flavors in larger amounts okay uh black patent have you ever have you ever worked with black i have worked with black patent a few times what so apparently there's really a lot of controversy out there with black patent really yeah Uh, a lot of people just don't like it uh because they think it's way too i astringent i i well, that's, that's I, I use it for when I want just a really bold roast character without using a whole lot of malt. Like yeah. if if I'm if I'm doing a like a robust porter or uh, even you know like like a 
like a stout of some of like, like I, I, I use stout. I well no I, I used it in my uh, chocolate or my my coconut milk stout okay. I, I used just a bit of black patent because uh, I mean it adds a really nice color mm-hmm. and it, it has a very strong flavor and I understand why it could be controversial because it is such a potent grain yeah and even even the process is kind of like what were you thinking? You burn the shit out of the grain. Yeah, no, that's it. Okay, so this malt is kilned at uh, 220 to 230 degrees Fahrenheit for up to four hours, uh, depending on the actual batch size. Uh, it goes. It ends up being about 470 to 620 lavi bond. Yes. Which is, it doesn't get darker, practically. Yeah. Uh, it lends light roast flavors with chocolate in small amounts, and then coffee and burnt flavors in large amounts. Uh, the temperature has to be monitored very, very carefully, because if it goes over 250, the grain will just start on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and then just turn to ash. And you know, you it's, I mean, black, black patent's a, a, fun, a fun malt to use. Uh, just... When you use it, less is more. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of the, the controversy just kind of comes out and, like, well, well, why don't I just put charcoal in it? Because charcoal is well, not I mean, a grain. You know what I mean, Yeah. Though? Like, they burn the crap out of oh, it. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Um, And as opposed to popular belief, this highly roasted, incredibly dark grain can give surprisingly mellow flavor contributions, if done right. Mm-hmm. Which... Seems bass backwards. Uh, no, I mean anything like, like I said, less is more. If you you can you have to be subtle. You can't be heavy handed with well with any of the malts that we're talking about today. You cannot be heavy handed with any of them. Yeah, you need to use. Uh, we're talking ounces, not not pounds. No, 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 no. We're talking ounces. Even like even getting down to like the half ounce. Yeah, like two and a half ounces. Yes. Could be could be like the difference between make or break it if you used three instead. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing I was going to say is one of the things that makes this so unique is the process of making this grain uh, gets rid of almost all of the volatile compounds in the grain, and so it adds very li- little to aroma, and that's why it can give the type of mellow flavors that you know we just talked about. Instead of being so overly potent, okay, like some of these other extremely high or really high roasted grains, okay. Carafas, uh, do you know what the carafas are? I've used them, but I don't. I I don't know a whole lot about the process. Uh, the carafas themselves uh, is just a brand na- branded uh, version of chocolate malts. Okay, um, they they are unique. I mean, so they're not the same, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's a German grain, uh, similar, uh, made similarly to respective chocolate malts, offered in husked and dehusked versions, uh, ranging in 340 to 470 lavi bond. These grains offer a series of flavors ranging from light roast chocolate to bitter roasted coffee. Uh, they offer more aromas and deeper colors than their chocolate malt counterparts. Uh, the huskless versions. Uh, it, tends to give more uh, of the chocolate malt flavor, but is smoother and less pronounced than the huskless versions. Okay. Uh, Because the husk has a lot of those tannic qualities that will end up having a contribution to the beer, and they kind of take that out, and so some of the punch-you-in-the-face kind of flavor qualities take a step back so that some of this, you know, undertone can start showing through. Okay. 
And so that would be the the difference in choice in using one versus mm-hmm. the other. Uh, so what about chocolate wheat and chocolate rye and just in general, some of these other grains that you might expect? To so get? I guess um, I, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here yeah. and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. So I, I'm assuming oh, I that, on it. that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm assuming like these chocolate wheat and these chocolate rye are going to be uh, roasted uh versions of these grains but they're not going to impart the chocolate flavor so it's talking more about the color than the flavor it imparts you're not wrong but that's not exactly right either um one of the things i was finding out also is that even with some of the chocolate malts like pale chocolate malt uh, won't always give you chocolate flavors okay even like the the pale the organic the dark whatever not all of them uh, will always give you chocolate flavors. And I, I, as far as I can tell, it's more of a reference to the process. Um, as far as I can tell, calling a grain a chocolate grain does not imply it will taste like chocolate. They just go through a roasting or kilning process akin to that of chocolate and coffee. Okay. Um, that and just the color of the grain. Uh, so, for example, in chocolate production, whole cocoa beans are roasted at a relatively mild 250 to 320 minutes for up to an hour, and coffee beans uh, 375 to 425 for up to 15 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, you're not talking about the same hours, but these temperature ranges are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that's more what they're referring to than the actual primary flavor contribution okay which i i would have never yeah i would i would have never guessed that yeah so very cool yeah and so that uh so i was just trying to find some way to bring a lot of these you know big heavy dark roasted malts you know together and under one umbrella and i figured that was a good way to do it. yeah no that's a great way of doing it uh but yeah the the one big thing less is more less is more especially with these yeah you will end up with just an acrid beer if you use Well, really, any, like even even the uh, like the crystals that we were talking about uh, last week, uh, any of these specialty grains, they, they're always going to take up very uh, small, small parts, these small amounts. Um, and then I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking about uh, smoked malts and stuff like that in, in the future. And again, yeah. less is more. Any specialty grain, uh, you're, you're looking at, like single digit percentage points. Yeah. At yep. most. Yep. Even even for some of the the caramel and crystal malts, you should 5 12%. Yeah, so it, I I think 12% is way too high for well, I mean, even even like brown ales and stuff. I don't know. Beer? Uh, I guess. <laughs> no, for the most part, uh, you're you're looking at single digit percents for the vast majorities and even these um Roasted, highly roasted malts, three percent, two percent, one percent. Like you want, sort, yeah. sort of weight. Yeah, no, and you, again, some of them you're just adding to get color and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of these are used primarily for color, and then just kind of accentuating a roast characteristic. Mm-hmm. So, think stouts, think porters. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up our discussion for today. Uh, thank you for tuning in and hanging out with us tonight. Uh, if you want to support us, head on over to patreon.com slash studios 
or uh, go to blindnewsstudios.com and hit, hit the Become a Patron link. Uh, Patreon is like a recurring tip jar. Uh, you can give us, you know, even just a buck a month just really helps out. Plus, we can give you something in return. Uh, at, I know at a dollar a month you get access to our, Patri- uh, our patron-only podcast. So that's you know just a little something extra to say thank you. Uh, and if you're going to do any shopping on Amazon, buying some beer ingredients or whatever, uh, head on over to blindnewstudios.com and click on the Amazon affiliate link at the bottom of the page. Uh, just doing that uh, helps us keep the lights on here. So you're helping us out, and in turn, we can give you some great beer knowledge. Now, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, show ideas, or would like us to taste your beer on air, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. Well, I think that about wraps it up, so I'll see you guys next week. Bye.